gentlemen and welcome to another prize winning award and well we give ourselves prizes and awards of course here capital sports on moscow's capital fm i hope you're having a lovely evening here in moscow i apologize for the weather i do believe that it is a typical typical irish summer but what else can we do you know i'm from ireland so i'm missing home so i'm bringing a rain over with me but you know what it cools us down a wee bit because everyone here is complaining it's too hot it's too hot you said like a douche na jarka. okay so it's too humid or clammy as we call it at home or close we also say because when the weather's close on you it means it's too hot too you can't even sleep at night you're always looking for the, the cool side of the pillow has anyone done that when you have the pillow and you turn it over to like to cool down a bit I don't have AC so I can say that right so uh, I'm going to get away from my uh, weather kind of discussion and I'm going to say what we're going to have coming up tonight because this is football over low this evening football over like trust me it is massive we of course have the copa america the african cup of nations with a bit of uh let's just say not such nice things happening around the cup of nations of course of course that's been held in egypt we have the gold cup that's the conquer cup that's uh, north and central america we have a little look at the uefa champions league yes it's already back the first winners are already through we have the europa league of course because there's already been games played in the europa league and we'll have a look at the women's world cup a little bit later on we'll have all transfers and gossip and just who is wayne rooney's favorite manager Okay, he's played under a few good managers. Um, lots of guys who've all managed Manchester United, of course, and he scored a cracking goal last week, of course, in America. But who is his ha- favourite manager of all time? We're going to have a look at that. We will talk a little bit about Wimbledon, and of course, Le Tour de France is coming up in just a week's time uh, next Saturday, starting, of course, so we're going to have a look at that. We're going to have a little chat about VAR as well, because a lot of controversy about VAR that is coming in everywhere. It's going to come in the English Premier League. What is going to happen with it? Are pe- referees being trained enough for it? Are they happy with it? Let's just have a look at it a bit later on. So, what have we coming up? Or who have we coming up? We will go live to Toronto to Alex B. He's going to tell us what's happening over there on the other side of the pond. Uh, We'll have Peter McDowell from LFC TV. He's going to talk about just how important that Champions League win was to Liverpool. Um, And also, will they go one better and win the league next year? Because what happens, like, you know, if if, if you're second best, you need to go that one step further. We'll ask him about that. We will have... Thierry Valdary from France TV, from Stade 2, the Stade 2 even. The, um, I kind of mix between my French and my Russian for a moment. So he is from Stade 2, from uh, French TV. He's going to speak about what's going on in football in France. He'll also speak a little bit about the kind of some 
Another form of uh, doping in cycling as well, which is very, very interesting. And, of course, then we'll have a, a chat about the Tour de France and what's happening around the leagues as well. And Andy McLean will join us from the RT studios. He's going to give us a rundown of what's happening in the world of sports, especially with uh, Mr. Andy Murray, Andy, uh, Andy's kind of namesake that he's kind of very depressed about right now. And, of course, we will go live to Manchester to Andrew Flint. He has the full rundown and insight on what's happening right now in Manchester United, especially. So, you see, we did two biggest clubs in England. OK, Manchester City aside, OK. Okay, okay, the Gallagher's can come and pick on me or whatever that, but the two big clubs, of course, are Man United and Liverpool. Okay, but before we go any further, I'm going to introduce Double N. So, Double N, are you ready to give us a good show? Yeah, sure. Okay. Good evening. Very, very good evening to you. And all right, so let's start off with the African Cup of Nations. A lot happening in there and a big shock just about, what, 20 minutes ago that we saw? Yeah, actually, the Cup of... Uh Africa Cup of Nations is going on and in its full swing. So we had some some match today. So um, we had Uganda. Uh, we are going to have Uganda versus Egypt and Zimbabwe versus uh, Democratic Republic of Congo in a short while. But That's going to kick off at ten o'clock. So yeah. we'll be following that. The first half, at least, we'll follow for you. But there's already been two games already played today. Yeah, actually, there was, uh, and uh, the game was uh, Burundi against Guinea. It, it ended just. A little bit ago, so there was a send-off in that in that match. So oh. on the side of Burundi, so um, I must say that Burundi is a first-time uh, newcomer to the, oh, okay. so to say, to the, to the tournament. So, and the second one is. Uh, Madagascar versus Nigeria. Of course, Madagascar, they're first-timers as well against Nigeria, who are like a very, very... Well, one of the most powerful teams in Africa. One of the teams that I thought that, well, still think will go ahead, but it didn't yeah. go all Nigeria's way. Yeah, exactly. That was a bit of a surprise, I think, for most of the people. So Because like we all know that Nigeria has like start uh, team. So, unfortunately, it went down like 2-0. Uh, against Nigeria so but Madagascar winning too no. that's, that's, yeah. that's interesting because okay looking at it as it is okay so uh, that, that group is finished however Nigeria they're still going to they're going to finish second to Madagascar uh, they, they fin- they, they'll have six points Madagascar finished top on seven points and uh, Guinea Guinea uh, they will go into a possible um, well they, they, they could finish one of the best uh, third place team shall we yep. say okay the other group tonight Egypt playing, of course. I tipped last week. I said Egypt and Nigeria. They're going to be my favourites to, to go through. I, I I was given all the inside uh, gossip on the different teams uh, in the African Nations Cup last week in a, in a BBC radio show. However, Egypt, there's a lot more going going on off the field than on the field. What's happening with one of the players was was kicked out of the team? Yeah, uh, there was a story with a player of Egypt international whose name is Amr Warda. So. Uh, uh, some news uh, editions claimed that he had some problems with uh, some sort of uh, relationships. Okay, but, let's just yeah. say uh, Mr. he was sending messages that weren't exactly nice. Let's yeah. just say, yeah, 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 two ladies. So we'll leave it at that. Yes, and uh, his teammate and uh, world star and a uh, new baked, like fresh baked champion, you, uh, the Champions League yeah, 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 champion, yeah. Mohamed Salah, he, and he, uh, he broke his silence and uh, he was like uh, supporting his teammates. So now, okay, let's okay. We'll, we'll look at that because, of course, the guy was sent home for like was kicked out um, 
for uh, sending inappropriate messages to a woman. He's this guy, um, uh, Warda. Yes, correct? Warda? Yep. Yeah. Amor Warda. Amor Warda. So he plays in um, for a Pauk. Uh, that's uh, Salonica, the team in France. In, sorry, Greece. France in Greece. Thank you yeah. very much, Double N. You're asking me that one? Right. So basically, he. Uh, now, of course, he was. Um, they basically said that Warda, who, like. Now he said that he can compete, okay? Because like he first he said he didn't send any messages, he didn't do anything wrong, and then he said, "I'm very, very sorry," uh, and he said he would never repeat that again. Now he, he's been accused of this before, but he said he wouldn't do it again. Now the next thing, Mo Salah tweets out, and, and I'm reading verbatim, so I'm reading directly what he has tweeted out. Um, so at Mo Salah. We need to believe in second chances. We need to guide and educate. Shunning is not the answer. Now, you know. That, that's fair enough, but Dublin, do you think that, that, that if he... Okay, the guy has apologised. Now, he's done it before. We, we, like the, he's been accused of doing this before. But if he apologised and said, look, I will be better, I will go to educate myself not to do such things in advance, should he have a second chance? Yeah, I do. I do think, believe that people must have a second chance as long as they understand. But it, it's also, like, as I said, it depends on what's really going on there because we don't know all the details yet, so... It's a little bit like fishy situation, so we. Uh, I think we have to look deeper what's happened there, and if there is no serious, serious like uh, breakings of the law or something like that, I don't think they should be too harsh on him. But of course, like the details should be clarified. You see, there you go. It, it, the details should be brought in. If he's done wrong, okay, punish him. You know, fine or whatever it may be. Um, Mota uh, Salah, uh, I think it was on Wednesday, uh, he said that he should not be sent to the guillotine. So we know the guillotines were like in the French Revolution, chop himself off and so on. Um, uh, he, you know, he, he, he always said like, your money, okay, again, so uh, Mo Salah then tweeted this out as well, that uh, women must be treated with the utmost respect. No means no. Uh, those things uh, are and must remain sacred. I also believe that many who make mistakes can change for the better and shouldn't be sent straight to the guillotine, which is the easiest way out. Now, double N, what they were saying was uh, he shouldn't be sent to the guillotine. That's what the media were picking up on. But they, in context, I think that's very strong. He said, like, women must be treated with respect. So Mo Salah is like, this. you know, people should be educated, people should be done. So, I mean, he's trying to give as much of a... An opportunity for 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 Warda to, to to come back. So he would you would you think Mo Salah? He's done nothing wrong. He's done nothing bad. Yeah, I agree. Like uh, if we like break down his message in Twitter, so it's like consists of three parts. So first he says like yeah, like no means no, and though things are and must remain sacred. And second uh, thing that he said that we shouldn't be too harsh. And the third, he's like supporting his teammates. So I think um, he's just running his logic. And uh, I think that uh, overall, he's like, his logic strike is uh, right. And uh, yeah, I, I actually don't, don't know why, or some people might be mad at Mohamed Salah, but yeah, I think. Uh, He's been he logical. Right, yeah. No, no, I, I, I agree. I, I don't see anything wrong. But now, I mean, so like some journalists, for example, uh, and I've spoken to a couple of Egyptian journalists, and they're saying Salah should not be defending this guy. It's wrong. Um, and people are saying, oh, like they should be held accountable. Uh, the act is terrible. Um, like one uh, activist in Egypt says, like you give someone a second chance when they are showing remorse, um, when they're willing to take responsibility to apologise. Um, so. I don't know. For me, it's, it's, it's a very, very tough call. And I do think, yes, 
he deserves he deserves to have a second chance. I don't think Mo Salah should be hit. You're right. He's he, he's saying women should be respected and so on. Well, okay, let's move on from that. Let's move on. So let's we'll have a little look. I'm going to have a little look ahead at what's coming up, of course, in the African Cup of Nations because there's the second group, of course, will be decided tonight. That Uganda, uh, Egypt, of course, are through. They're through to the next round. Uh, Zimbabwe and the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, if Egypt win and uh, Zimbabwe win. Uh, and by a couple of goals, then Zimbabwe could actually be going through to the next round. So it'd be good for them. They're sitting right now at one point uh, in, in, in third place, on one point in third place in Group A. Now, in Group B, that's quite an interesting one because Algeria, they're already through. They've won both their matches. Senegal and Kenya are going to battle it out for that last uh, spot. And of course, uh, Kenya, are playing Sen- Kenya playing Senegal. So that's a, that's a huge showdown. It's a winner takes all situation for sure. In Group D, Morocco, they are already through. They are already through. Uh, and you know, do quite well six points as well and in the Ivory Coast and South Africa they are again they're going to uh, they're going to have to battle it because South Africa play Morocco and Namibia play uh, Ivory Coast um, then Group E of course is up for grabs because Mali have four points Tunisia and Angola have two apiece so basically that's open for all even Mauritania could still go through as well and finally in Group F Cameroon they're struggling as well but they could go through they are on four points Ghana and Benin tied in on two points and Guinea-Bissau they have one point so again it's up for grabs because you know if Cameroon who be a very strong team if they draw with Benin then they should be good enough to go through okay we're going to go ahead to the break now in just a moment um Sorry, you, just before we do, yeah. you had a point to pick with our guys last week because we were kind of talking about Rocky, but Rocky is your favourite sports movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, I think I last time I watched it, it was like seven or six years ago. Okay, so yeah. not that long ago. I yeah. Probably less... less <laughs> I, I watched, I think, about maybe 10, 20 years ago. So, okay, that's, that's okay. That's a fine movie, and I still feel like, feel inspired by, by the play and overall the movie itself. So, yeah. Okay. That is good. Right, we're going to go out to the break right now with uh, a nice kind of like a, a World Cup throwback, shall we say. So it's one that I think really, 98, it kind of kicked us all around the place. And of course, like, it's going to make us feel better on this like wet and rainy and overcast Sunday evening here in Moscow. And hope wherever you are as well, listeners, to enjoy this song. So we're going to go out to the break with Bellini and Samba de Janeiro. We'll be back after this with Thierry Vildery. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
самое лучшее, что могло с тобой случиться, произойдет этим летом. Capital FM даст тебе возможность попасть на крупнейший музыкальный фестиваль в мире. Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland. Внимательно слушай Capital FM, лови факты о фестивале и первым присылай нам пароль Take Me to Tomorrowland. Если ты собрал все факты за неделю, жди звонка от наших ведущих. И главное, никаких алло. Отвечай сразу. Take Me to Tomorrowland. И готовься собирать чемоданы. Главное событие года. Tomorrowland ждет именно тебя. 18 плюс. Предложение не является публичной офертой. Период проведения акции с 10 июня по 5 июля 2019 года. The one and only English speaking station in Moscow. Okay, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to borrow something from uh, a colleague of ours here. Welcome back, beautiful people, because that's, of course, Kat Kenna's call sign, and it deserves to be used and overused because she is, of course, one of the original beautiful people, and, of course, folks, you're all beautiful to me tonight. Just to let you know, it's 70 degrees here in Moscow. It's still a bit overcast. We are predicting some more showers of rain, but, you know, such is life, and I mean, at least, you know, in, in Ireland, it's great because it's actually scorching there. Could you imagine, Dublin, it's actually very, very hot in Ireland. It's like 22 in Dublin today. Wow. 22 today. Now, of course, I trained at Lokomotiv today uh, with Gelly Football, and it was really, really lovely. That's really, really sunny. But even still, I'm thinking, like, I did, I'm watching, like, scenes from Ireland, and it's so nice and so beautiful, and, you know, and it didn't have to hit a heat wave in France this week. Yeah, I, I heard the news, like, people were almost fainting. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. We yeah. won't talk about the tragic things, but yeah, of course, it was very, very hot in France. Yeah, and uh, we're going to bring some of that French heat here to the studio right now because we're going to go all the way to Les Belles, France, to, and uh, he, he'll kick my backside for saying that, but we're going to go to uh, France TV's Stade 2, Mr. Thierry Villery. Thierry, can you hear me? Yes, very well. Thank you. Listen, welcome to the show, finally, because we have tried uh, so hard to get you, but for one reason or another, we <laughs> couldn't do it. But you know, Thierry, it's like, you know, a, a good wine. It ages so well. And those few weeks <laughs> that we couldn't speak, it's going to make this even sweeter. So, um, first of all, uh, the Tour de France is coming up, starting next Saturday. Of course, it's, it has, it's, I think it's fifth or sixth time, it's, or fifth time that it's then, uh, starting in Brussels, or in fifth time in Belgium. Um, tell our listeners, who should they look out for right away in this tour? Well, uh, can you repeat, please? Yeah, who, who, who should our listeners look out for in the Tour de France this year? Who do you reckon should be on the podium uh, on the Champs-Élysées? Uh, uh, for sure, Bernal is, uh, will be the favorite, I think. Uh, after that... Uh, Maybe one of the brother, the Yates brother, and we we hope uh, French guy, uh, uh, maybe Bardet is uh, our our favorite. But a lot of surprises uh, can happen. Listen, we we had a huge huge surprise last year, of course, um, with the now team formerly known as Team Sky winning it uh, with with uh, with Geraint Thomas. Now. We, we, we've seen like, you know, what's going on with Team Sky and there's so many questions around it. But what, what we want to speak about with you, um, one of the things that you have specialised in and gone very, very deep into and actually exposed a lot of is another form of doping. It's motor doping. Can you tell our listeners what that is? Because we have, we have discussed it, Thierry, here on the show, but uh, you're an expert. So what, 
what is motor doping? Oh, I'm an expert. Um, I don't think I'm an expert. I'm just a journalist who tried to, to, to did and do his job and ask some questions that maybe um, didn't have uh, asked before. But at this time, after uh, many years um, of investigations about motor doping, I'm convinced, I don't have the definitive proof, but I'm convinced that at least one guy won two big races uh, and especially the Tour de France with a motor. No. Oh. Because we made some calculation of uh -huh. that uh, around 10 years ago. Uh, after that, uh, we, have, we can have some suspicions, some strong suspicions. And since uh, two or three years, um, even, even if the, the UCI tried to make some, uh, some tests with uh, X-ray, uh, the, the motor doping rumors are coming back like uh, like the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> All right, that's, every year that's scary. I don't want to have Nessie. Come. We 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 don't have Andy McLean <laughs> in the studio, so we don't have our own Loch Ness monster. But um, tell us, how does motor? Okay, we understand doping. So chemical doping, you put the testosterone, you put the steroids, and you get bigger muscles. Or EPO makes you run yeah. faster for longer. But how does motor doping work? Uh you know, uh, uh, in the time, maybe you, you can you, you 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 can have some motors and you have to ride with big motors uh, that should provide to you 200, 300, maybe 500 watts. But uh, now, uh, if you have only 20, 30, 40 watts, or maybe on the track. Uh, only five or ten watts, it's enough to make the difference. Because the difference be between the first and the third on the podium is uh, one or two percent. So if you have uh, uh, enough good technology or enough good strategy or team to provide you this uh, with small motors, or if you can change your bike during the race, you can spare your energy and uh, uh, use that for the, the last kilometers, the last five or ten kilometers, especially in the mountain stage. Okay, now, let, let, this is the thing with bike changing. So, um, as I understand, as, a, as a, an amateur, more of a kind of a footballer, or, well, sort of a, a different sport journalist who looks at different things, if, if I look at... Um, the testing of these bikes. So they, they will test yeah. them before and after a stage. But during a stage, yeah. nothing. Nothing. And th there is uh, the beginning of the problem during the last zero with, uh, with uh, Roglic. There is a strong suspicion coming back around him because he changed his bike during a stage, gave his bike to uh, uh, a colleague. After the, the, the manager explained to us that uh, it, it, it was because a technical problem, but his colleague uh, go further 
pedaling during during the stage, and after that give give the bike to a, a, another team. Uh, we don't understand the reason. Well, that, okay, that, that we, make, we, yeah. we never saw that. We never saw that uh, uh, another team to give you a bike, take a bike. We don't know what happened with uh, this bike, and uh, especially and and and. and the UCI didn't control anything. So hold on, okay, Terry. I'm just they gonna, didn't catch the bike. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to st- st- step this back, okay, just to, to break it down for for our listeners. So, um, so Roglic he went on one bike, then he got off it, yeah. gave it to his teammate because of some, or gave it to the team car because of some technical problem. His teammate then took the same bike with no changes, continued riding on. And then yeah. gave the, the, to another team within the, in the same stage, and they rode on, and nobody checked it. How can that happen? That's like yes. in for, Jerry. Play this out with me for a second. Formula One, that, Formula One, and you have yeah. Ferrari against Renault, and the Renault driver yeah. says, "Oh, there's something wrong with my car," and he gets he gives it to his teammate, who then gives it to the Ferrari driver. How can that? How can that be allowed? Happen, Jerry? Uh, we don't know because there is no special rules for the changing bikes. You know, since uh, Lapartien became uh, president of UCI, he changed the rule that now th- they can catch a bike uh, during a stage and cut through it. But they didn't uh, make it. They didn't use this possibility. That's... Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's unlogical. And what, what is very special to me is there is two Giro's. The Giro before this um, incident and the Giro after. Because Roglic was very, very cool, very easy during the first part of the Giro. And after, he, he, he cannot follow. Okay. So, okay. so I don't understand. Nobody can understand that. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I can understand if something happened to him. He he felt sick, which happens, or he just had a fall or a crash. It happened, say, to Dan Martin. But this is insane. Mm. Sorry, d- d- uh, Double N. He has, he has a question here for you. Yeah, Thierry. Good evening, Double N here. So I have a yes, question. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, in your opinion, um, will we see motor doping cycling in Tour de France? Um. Your your question is uh, if we if we saw that in Tour de France or will, will in the we last s- year or will we see it now uh, in this Tour de France? Oh, uh, motor doping! I don't know because we we get some rumor last year also that we don't have any proof. If motor are used now, we don't know the technology that is used. Is it still some 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 big motor in the in the tube, in the saddle tube especially, or motor small motors in the back wheel, or in the front wheel? We don't know. We only can can have some some suspicion, and also new suspicion are coming about some uh, some physiological uh, doping. So there is a mix of rumor of suspicion. I cannot see uh, very clear uh, uh, now 
in uh, in in this topic. Okay. Will, will we see uh, that in the next Tour de France? Uh, so the, the problem of the motor doping is you see that you saw that, but you are never sure that it's motor doping. That's a, well, that's a, that's the point because it's very hard to detect. I mean, you know, it, it, it can be detected, but as you said, if uh, part, uh, Partinier, uh, Partinier, the the uh, head of the uh, the world uh, cycling body, if he isn't clamping down on it, then we don't know. This would be uh, we've just short bit of time left, but I want to ask you, of course, the, the former multiple uh, Grand Grand Tour winner, um, Chris Room, had an absolutely horrific crash. We believe that went um, from being he was destroyed like skull smashed, brain uh, back, you know, back damaged and legs and broken femur and so on. This week, um, I got word in from from um, a journalist who had interviewed his doctor, saying that it's a broken femur that he lost four points, you know, two liters of blood, but that he's on the mend. Of course, then we see he's tweeted photos, Thierry, from his hospital bed, yeah. and he looks pretty okay. But again, we don't see the lower half of his body. What what's the latest news you've heard for Chris Froome? Ah, uh, we don't have. You, you know, it's the problem with Sky. Because the only information that you can get about Sky is the communication of Sky. It's very locked around the around the team and all the the riders, and we we only have some uh, we only have the news that they 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 uh, they, uh, they want to give to us. So okay. the only info the only news you can get is the Sky communication. Okay, it's like the so Soviet Union's communication. It's now. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. Ineos now, so it's like the Soviet Union all over again. Listen, uh, this time last year, uh, your country were triumphing four three against Argentina on their way to the uh, they played of course in Kazan last year. They won four three in the round of sixteen. Um, how did last year's World Cup win impact? on France in general. Have you seen an increase in people going to matches or an increase in young people wanting to play football? Because, of course, the Women's World Cup is going on right now. Yes. Um, it, it, it was um, a, a great win and a great uh, great time for our sport. And uh, it, have, uh, it had a great impact uh, for the, the, the French football. And like every time, a lot of kids uh, come in September to, to sign and to try uh, football. And also the women, the girls. And I think it will be the same with the girls in next September in, in France. Uh, the problem now is to, to have enough, uh, some, uh, some stadium, some field, and some trainer some coach to uh, to manage that and to uh, to uh, to teach uh, the girls. Okay. Well, look, Terry. Fingers crossed it'll go well because I saw the game with USA tonight, and the French team were very skillful, very good. They were unlucky to lose, but I think that if we see what's happened now with um, you know the French men's team. They're, you know, they're just they're absolutely awesome. Like you know, from Mbappe and even Pogba with his problems and so on, but. Fingers crossed. Listen, Thierry, thank you very, very much for taking our call. We will speak to you again very, very soon. And thank you for the education as well. Um, 
Sorry for my English. <laughs> no, listen, it's much better than my French. Thierry, thank you and have a good evening. Thank you. I go back to my tortilla. Oh, listen, go back to your tortilla and enjoy. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thierry. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Okay, that was Thierry Villery of French, French TV and Stade 2 is his show on French TV. Uh, right, we're going to come back uh, after the break with Andrew Flint. So we're going to catch our breath after that uh, journey to France. And we're going to go out and chill a little bit with a bit of Coldplay and Paradise. We'll be back after the break. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
more. Okay, welcome back, folks, to Parcery. I hope you kind of chilled out after that because we, we decided myself and Double N here in the studio said, well, we'll just we'll relax a little bit because we've got a very, very busy and packed show. So we said, all right, we're going to sit back and just relax for a moment with a bit of Coldplay. Okay, um, before we go any further, of course, the uh, South American, the Copa America is on. There was... How many? 30 penalties we counted, double N? 30 penalties yeah, and 25 exactly. goals in four games. Yep. Four games. In four games. Quarterfinals <laughs> is crazy. <laughs> I mean, in South America, what were you doing? Just like playing chess or something? Okay. So, of course, we do know uh, that uh, the only game where goals were scored was Argentina 2-0 against Venezuela, correct? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the rest of them uh, were all 0-0. So give us a quick rundown on those scores. In the, the, who, who, who went through, basically? Okay, so in quarterfinals of Copa America, there were like uh, eight teams. So Brazil playing against Paraguay. As you said, it was the first penalty. Uh-huh. So uh, Brazil won that 4-3 yeah. on penalties. Okay. Venezuela, we already yep. had. They, they unfortunately went down against yeah. Argentina. And Colombia is, was going against Chile, okay. who is a reigning champ, I think, champions. You're right. Yeah. And, and they're going for three in a row. So, yeah, they're yep. pretty good. Yep. So, and uh, the Chile has a chance to go... Four further, more. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they won on penalties, and the last one, uh, it was Uruguay against Peru. So and Peru shocked them. Peru shocked yeah. Uruguay. I mean, that was look at Uruguay, like with uh, like Luis Suarez, and of course Colombia with the amount of talent they have. I mean, that was like shocking for me. But it was really funny because I think the guy was it uh, Mina. I think the guy he scored the goal, uh, the penalty, and then he started celebrating, and then like just like this thirty seconds later, his. Uh, teammate missed and then they lost and it was like oh you know it was like kind of bad so never celebrate never celebrate before it's done so on Wednesday Wednesday morning uh, morning here of course in Russia the huge South America Super Classico Brazil are playing Argentina so that's a huge showdown so the hometown boys against the Argentinians that's going to be that's going to be a rough one and of course the other semi-final Chile Peru now look Nobody would say that the winners are going to come from that Brazil-Argentina game, but you're not so sure. You think that Chile can go and win again? Yeah, I think with the momentum they have, I think that's an important psychological like, thing yeah. for them. Yeah, I think they can carry on and win all the things. Like, why not? They have all the quality in their team, and I think the spirit is there as well. So I think they can go through semifinals and finals as well, like... Uh, we have seen performances from all the teams, so I think they have a great chance. Okay, that is fair enough, all right. Um, I, I, I do think Brazil might have to take a bit of an extra edge, but you know what? I, I, I was writing off Argentina all along because they were playing so badly, but I think they're getting a little bit stronger as the tournament's going on. They had an easy one against Venezuela, I reckon. Venezuela one of the weakest teams there in that last eight. Let's see what's going to happen next. Right, we're going to go across to Manchester to the man of the moment, Mr. Andrew Flint, because we want to get all the rundown and all this good to know about football. Andrew, how are you doing, my friend? I'm not doing too bad, thanks. Not too bad, thanks. How are you? We're doing great. We're great ahead to see you. Listen, good to talk to you this week, because last week we didn't get to talk to you, and there was so much going on this week. Um, and also, I just before before you start the rundown, I just saw a report today that Marcus Rashford, uh, who you kind of have a man crush on, uh, is looking... <laughs> To earn £250,000 per week. Well, I'd say there's two things to say on that. Firstly, it's a ludicrous amount of money, but the second thing is, that is what today's game is. And quite frankly, I think in today's market, that is what he's worth. I think he's a fantastic player. And as you say, I do have a man crush on him. I'm slightly biased, but... (laughs) 
if United are not building their attack around him, then they've got to screw loose because the, the, the boy is special. And if that's what it takes, I'd say it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in full agreement. I think, he's, I think he's a terrific player. I think he's very... Even though he is highly rated, he is still kind of underrated in a way where people think, ah, oh, he's young, he's this, he's this. But I think he, he can be the linchpin of that the England team and the United team for many, many years to come. So I agree with you on that. Okay, uh, United have already got a couple of signings in the door. So what have you to report for us? Well, um, it's uh, looking like a quietly promising transfer window for Manchester United so far. Dan James signed um, over a week ago for about £18 million from Swansea. Um, anybody who's not a regular watcher will surely still have seen a clip of him sprinting the length of the pitch in about 9-10 seconds to score a wonder goal this year. He'll be a good, interesting option out wide on the wing. And, um, and Aaron Wan-Bissaka signed for about £50 million from Crystal Palace. It took a very long time to, to get over the line, that transfer. A lot of noises about, oh, it should be tomorrow, and it dragged on and on, and they were haggling over the price. But he's arrived. Um, so two young players um, two young British players very promising in areas that we need to improve on but there still are other areas that are bigger priorities in my opinion like centre back and centre midfield but so far so good OK listen um, with Harry Maguire do you think that it's it's worthwhile grabbing him on board and, and to, to, to bring him in uh, I mean we, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago and yeah. it's uh, I don't know to be honest I'm really torn I think a, a centre-back is, is a given, but the way that uh, new contract was, was handed to Phil Jones, a four-and-a-half-year contract extension, no less, it suggests the club are basically hoping to use him, obviously, for some time. Um, and it looks like maybe the centre-back is not a priority for them, which is madness, um, given the injury-proneness of Eric Bailly and just the lack of quality of, of this morning in Phil Jones. Um, I would, on balance, probably make the signing because I don't see who else of reasonable quality or can, you know, similar level United are actually going to go for. Um, but I don't think it will happen at this rate. It's just drifted on too long, and Manchester City were mentioned, you know, likely. I don't, I don't think it will happen, um, but I okay. personally would. Okay, listen, uh, Antonio Valencia is gone. He left on a free to Quito, going back uh, to uh, going to uh, Ecuador. Um, I mean, wh- wh- where else? Like, what what other what other sort of things are there in the kind of the the pipeline for United? Any other rumours are like floating around who they might be interested in? Well, there's one interesting one um, about Sean Longstaff, the young Newcastle United midfielder. Who, to be quite honest with you, nobody had really heard of him before this season, and yet he's played very well alongside Isaac Hayden in what, let's be honest, was a, a bit of a crisis club Newcastle, guided very well by Rafferty. Um, but he's, he's only played about 20-odd games at the you know, top level. I think it's a very clear sign that United are going, or trying to go in that direction, of young British talent, relatively unproven but hungry, which in itself is commendable, but I'm not sure Longstaff is the instant option. Um, but again, it, it's, it'll be better than an overpriced Frenchman, shall we say. Okay. Just moving around a little bit, like, looks like 
well, like Arsenal, of course, like, yo, there was that kind of like funny, I think uh, Andy Mack tweeted up today, uh, the thing of the Simpsons about like, what, what do kids want? And there's one where uh, mm-hmm. Arsenal fans have been asked, do you want to uh, develop your own players and have them play well and then sell them off for lots of money? Or do you want to just spend money on a ready-made product that might not work out? And of course, the kids, like, the Arsenal fans are saying yes to the first and yes to the second. Um, <laughs> but it looks like, you know, that the, it's 100 million for the Ivory Coast player Wilfred Zaha, uh, Arsenal will have to pay that to get him from Crystal Palace. Is it is is he worth a hundred million, Andrew? Uh, short answer: No. Um, he's a fabulously gifted player, and he he was so effective for Crystal Palace. But it was almost embarrassing how much they seemed to rely on his talents to get out of games. He was fouled a lot last season, but I think that was largely down to quite how much he had the ball. And Arsenal, I think, he's a good player, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's the sort of player Arsenal need. I really don't. Um, and for £100 million, that's just a clear case of Crystal Palace saying, but we don't want to sell him, but if you're that, well, I'm not going to say stupid, but if you're that, that desperate to spend £100 million, well, we'll take it, because that amount of money, Crystal Palace still could, even in today's market, reinvest more sensibly, more sustainably. Um, but it's... it's just uh, it's a desperation timing. It's a Manchester United timing, Alan. Okay, um, well, that's right. well, listen, listen. I'm, I'm just. Yeah, I heard that as well today that um, uh, Liverpool and Tottenham have stepped back from uh, Bruno Fernandes, uh, so he can come from Sporting Lisbon to Manchester United. Uh, like, 20, he's a 24 year old player, like a midfielder. He's he's quite good, but is that the kind of do do United need to try and stack up in the midfield? Well. The type of player I've been... I haven't watched him live very often. I've watched him once or twice, but the reports I've read of him, of his eye for goal, he's an incredibly quick passer of the ball. And that's, I think, been one of Manchester United's main problems, is transitioning the ball forwards quickly. So many sideways passes, lethargic moves forward. Uh, Bruno Fernandes does sound like the sort of player we need, and I would be very happy to see him come, because the price I've seen quoted was around... 50 or 60 million, which again in today's market it's is not bad. Not, not really that bad. No, um, look, I, I would go for him. Okay, I can't look, see where we could go wrong with that one. Oh, that's fair enough. And uh, okay, no, I, I, I do think it's, it's, it's worthwhile investment, especially given his age as well. He's 24 years of age. Um, mm. If you look at uh, Spurs right now, they're in a bit of a kind of. Uh, Pochettino turned around and says today that, oh, I, I can't sign the players I want. I don't have the final say. And now Spurs are going to get the Lyon player, the, the French international, uh, I think he's international, uh, Tange Indebele, uh, for mm-hmm. 60 million. So Spurs haven't signed anyone for, it seems like, 100 years. Um, <laughs> like, I mean. If if they start if they start like to, to to break the bank now, is it worth it? Because they're not they're not going to compete with Liverpool. They're not going to compete with Man City. Um, they're only going to compete with with Man United to try and chase down those top two. Surely. Well, it's not the sort of signing that is going to break them into that top two. Um, but I I'd, I'd actually say it is worth uh, the signing. He's an incredible player, powerful and intelligent. Um, and he's got experience in European football as well now, um, and he will improve their midfield. And I'd say, and this is going to sound condescending, I don't mean it to be this way, Liverpool and Manchester City are so far ahead, I would say it's worth consolidating third place um, you know, to keep ahead of the you know, Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, who are having their own problems in various ways. Um, keep, keep third place, because they don't, don't try and compete with Liverpool and Man City just yet. 
but keep the Champions League football. And Ndombele is a great signing, great quality player. Um, and it's not a crazy price either. I think no. it actually makes a lot of sense. It, it does. I mean, it, it's worthwhile getting him right now because he, he is kind of, he has another four or five good years in him. So get it for three years and sell him on maybe, you know. Um, mm. uh, Mbappe, he uh, has said, okay, t- today in Marca, he's saying that uh, he's got three years left on his deal with uh, PSG, but he's not uh, extending it. Also, Marca today, Daniel Levy, of course, the Spurs chairman, he's phoned, apparently, so this is like insider <laughs> information from Real Madrid, <laughs> that he's offered them the Dane, Christian Eriksen, he's 27 years old, who he, his contract is, is finished uh, next summer, so basically he's looking to sell him. Um, would that be, like, Eriksen's a very good player, would that be a, a loss to the English Premier League, and especially the Spurs? You know, if you'd asked me that question 12 months ago, I'd have said they'd be they'd be mad to let him go. But I just get the feeling, the last, especially the last six months of the season, he seemed rather laboured. I felt like he was almost had his eye on another transfer. Felt like there was a lot of pressure on him because there is. He is there. He's a phenomenal player, and he, whatever they sell him for, they'll make a great profit. But just in terms of what he brings to their side. Um, he is he is their creator, but I I don't think his performances have been as good as they have been before. And I'd say if they cash in, if they're going to sell him, they have to sell him now. Like you mentioned, his contract running out, it'd be crazy to let him go for nothing next next summer. And if they brought in Ndombele, um Deli Ali should be able to fill um, more of a you know take more of the burden for the creative side going forward. I, I, I'm not going to say they won't miss him, but it'll be a slightly different look midfield. And I, I think it would make make some sense for them and we know how much Daniel Levy likes to balance the books okay so that, no, that, do a good job. yeah it's good because you have to balance the books as well because Spurs are not a massively rich club with like you know deep deep pockets uh, Dublin here's a question for you um, about because we're moving closer to home here to Russia a massive transfer this week yeah and good evening Andy so Dublin here so good I evening. have a question for you it's like uh, Glushakov to Ahmad what have you mm. just seen like what was that well, I think it's actually a very good move for him because I think he's basically burnt his bridges in Moscow. And, and obviously at Spartak, his relationship with the fans and the club was, was broken completely. Um, but I don't think any of the other Moscow clubs would have would have really taken him on. At, at Ahmad, he will be a leader in the midfield. Him alongside Alia Givanov makes actually a very, very good quality centre midfield partnership. Um and I, I think it's I think it's a good move for him. Um, Akbar have always been that mid-table club, like stuck in mid-table. They've never quite made that step up to challenge realistically for Europe. I'm not saying Glushkov on his own will do that, but it is a, it is a very sensible signing for him because he's he's only got another three four years of his career left, uh, and I think Akbar will be a good platform for him. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes there. But um, good midfield, Akhmat will have for next season. What, what else have you seen here in uh, Russia? I know you're in Manchester. But what else have you seen in Russia that's uh, caught your eye, Andy? Mm, I tell you what, it's been a it's been a very interesting um, uh, summer so far. Krasnodar, for me, have done very well. Um, brought in Tony Villena, a Dutch international, for about eight or nine million euros. Um, Kayo, a Brazilian centre midfielder from Portugal, for about three million. Um, I mean, Krasnodar's recruitment has always been very good and their youth development has been fantastic. So those are good signings. Mauricio Pereira leaving, Charles Cabaret leaving, two big, big losses. So those are good signings for Krasnodar. Um, 
Ezekiel Ponce to Spartak Moscow for about €4 million, Euros, I've read, is, is a very, very interesting signing. Um, great season in Greece with uh, AEK Athens, scored 21 goals. Um, could be could be interesting. Could see Zay Luis leaving, perhaps. Okay. Um, uh, and Nikola Vlasic signing permanently for CSK Moscow for €15 million. Euros. It's a huge outlay for CSK Moscow in recent years, but what a season he had last season. So that's a great signing for them, too. Okay, well, um, we'll those we'll, are the ones that have uh, caught my eye the most. Okay, so listen, Andrew, we're going to have to, to let you go because we're just coming up to the uh, end of the hour. But listen, um, before we we do let you go, England USA Women's World Cup semi final. Who are you putting your money on? Ah, uh, uh, this is such a tough one. I, I'm going to have to say with my head, um, USA. All they're, right, they're too ruthless. Okay. England are very well prepared under Phil Neville. They've got, um, well, joint top goal scorers so far, Ellen White. And okay. They've got some dangerous players going forward, like Frank Kirby and Nikita Paris have been flying well, you're, you're, right you're going USA? I'm, but I'm going USA. Okay. I think they just do it experience. Okay, that is good. Listen, Andrew, we will talk to you next week. You have, enjoy yourself the rest of your stay there, and we'll talk to you very, very soon. Brilliant. Love to speak to you guys. Thanks, Andrew. Okay, that was Andrew Flint, of course, uh, from our show, from Capital Sports Team. Uh, we're going to go to the break. We're going to lighten up tonight for at least one person in Moscow to enjoy because this is Jay Lowe. And let's